I have really been having fun with this mini-series that we're doing. Um, really because as I've been studying it for, I'm, like I've been thinking about you guys. I mean, seriously, as I'm looking at your faces, I have thought about you guys doing this little mini-series. Um, so we will get to Colossians. It's coming. I'm giving you three more weeks to order that book. Um, if, if you want a journal, you, you can go get it. It's Amazon. It's $3.47. Um, they'll have it to you next day, but three weeks before we get to that, <clears throat> and we're doing this little mini-series on spiritual gifts, trying to go through all of them. Um, so with that said, let's, let's dive in. Our spiritual gifts definition that we're working from is, is this right here. Um, it is both natural and supernatural abilities that the Spirit uses in us for His glory and effective gospel ministry. So again, two aspects of that. There's supernatural things that just come on people at various times for His glory. And there's also just real natural gifts that the Lord has gifted you with. When used for His glory, become spiritual gifts. Okay? So there's that. There's six lists in the Bible of spiritual gifts. You can see those. So if you are a regular, this series is super odd for you at Safe Haven because we go verse by verse straight through books of the Bible and now all of a sudden we're in a mini series where we're not chewing through that at all. Um, but there it is. You can take a picture, go study those on your own, which are 23-ish gifts listed in there. Here are the gifts, apostle, prophet, teacher, evangel- evangelist, miracles, healing, service, tongues, encouraging, contributing, leadership, mercy, marriage, administration, celibacy, the gift that nobody wants, interpretation, <laughs> helps, wisdom, knowledge, faith, pastor, hospitality, distinguishing spirits. I shouldn't have joked about that because some people do want that gift. Um, well, but that's not for today, that's for later. All right, so all that to say, these are the gifts that are listed. My point is, if you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. And if you go, well, I don't see my gift listed there, or I don't seem to fit in all of that, again, that's not Paul's point. His point is not, here are 23-ish gifts, you have to fit into that. His point is, here are 23 examples, there's a ton more. Does that make sense? So it's not fit into this little category, it's, it's him saying, everybody fits somehow, and here are some examples. And so we're going through all of those examples. Last week we looked at prophecy, uh, the aspect of foretelling versus forthtelling, and what that means. So you can go catch up on that on the website. We looked at apostleship, both in the narrow sense, which I do not believe exists today. There, the narrow sense of apostle is done with. Um, it was for the original apostles. But there is a broader sense of apostleship in terms of church planting or mission endeavors, things like that. So we looked at what that looks like. And then hospitality, the gift that everybody in this room has to some extent. Now, some of you have it in a true spiritual gift sense of you don't just make people feel happy by being around you. You, God, uses that through you to leverage gospel intentionality in those gatherings. So we looked at those three things. And so we're going to go through six more today by God's grace. And with that said, I'm going to talk, I know I talk fast anyway. I try to intentionally slow down and then it just speeds up. All right? I know some of y'all also have that problem. Um, But I just apologize to you in advance. We got a lot of ground to cover and so there will be a lot of fast talking today. All right? So maybe somebody with the gift of interpretation of tongues might need to stand right there and interpret everything that's about to come out of my mouth. 
because it's going to be really fast. So grab what you can, and, and, and if you miss something, it'll be on the website. All right, so let's try to hit six more of these spiritual gifts. Number one, healing, the gift of healing. What does it mean in the Bible that somebody has the gift of healing? Well, this is the most mocked spiritual gift, I would say. The reason I think this is the most mocked spiritual gift is because it's warranted in some senses with people filling up stadiums and they're fraudsters. It's all about monetary gain. I want to do something to grab a crowd and then get money out of it. So this is the reason I think this gift is mocked the most. But the fact remains that God still does indeed heal people today by his sovereign good pleasure. Right? Uh, So sickness and decay is batting a thousand still. That's the human problem. Uh, death because of sin. However, we know in eternity that by his stripes we are healed. And so therefore in eternity we know that no sickness will, re- will uh, reign. And we will have eternal healing in that sense, right? But the gift of healing is that sometimes God chooses to take a little attribute of heaven and bring it to earth right here and right now for us to experience And that's how this gift plays itself out. Uh, We saw this through Jesus healing people. We saw this through apostles healing people. Uh, We see this today through teachers and through uh, the, the grandmother who sits by and prays fervently. We see this gift being exercised in a myriad of different ways. And in Scripture, it's attached to a couple of things usually. Uh, Six, five things primarily. Number one, uh, we see the laying on of hands attached to this gift. We see prayer as something that's attached to this gift. We see fasting as something that's attached to this gift. We see anointing oil in the book of James uh, attached to this gift. And then we also see faith attached to this gift in Luke 8 and Luke 17. And I want to say this. Healing and the gift of healing and doctors are not at odds. <laughs> Let's be really clear about that because we can start going to crazy land once we go to one or the other. Well, I don't need a doctor because I'm just going to rest in God's sovereignty, right? We can go to there. Or uh, I, I don't, maybe God, maybe not, but I'm going to put all my faith in doctors. We can go to either extreme. And these are not at odds in this gift. And I would actually argue that the primary means by which... This gift functions most is through medical workers, which is why, and some of you guys are medical workers in this room, and you've always wondered, why on earth does God have me and let me experience certain things? It may just be because he placed you there because of a manifestation of this gift. And so not all doctors have and nurses and whatever have the gift of healing. That's not what I'm saying. However, many believing medical workers do have this, which is oddly why they ended up in that vocation altogether. And so to reject medical care in that sense is indeed sometimes to reject the very hand of God that's trying to heal you. I want healing, but I don't want a doctor. And God's sitting there going, but I gave you a doctor. (laughs) To go receive that healing. What on earth? And so these are not at odds with one another. Second Kings 20 is a great example of this. Hezekiah had been promised to be healed supernaturally by the Lord. The Lord was going to do it. And Isaiah knew that. And what did Isaiah do? He said, great, now the Lord's going to heal him. But also take a cake of figs and place it on the bowl. So we see these two going hand in hand simultaneously, and I think that's a good healthy balance. Uh, so with that said, let's look at more of the healthy balances. Number one, we do need to reminded with this gift that God sometimes sovereignly chooses not to heal people. That is His 
choice. Sometimes he chooses not to. Jesus, you would think if anybody could demand God to do something, surely it would be Jesus, right? Like we would think he would get all his prayers answered the way he wanted it. Well, remember in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus was faced with drinking the fullness of the cup of wrath and he didn't want it. He said, God, remove this cup from me. And the Father said, negative. And then Jesus said, well, then not my will, but yours be done. We remember Paul, right? Had the thorn in the flesh. The, the, arguably one of the greatest apostles, if there's a hierarchy among them. He said, I got this thorn in the flesh. Remove this from me. I prayed three times. God, remove this. God, remove this. God, remove this. And God said, not going to move it. I'm not going to take it away. Um, your strength is faithful in this. And, and this is the whole lesson that, that Paul learned uh, through this. So... God sovereignly chooses not to heal people sometimes. However, sometimes God chooses to sovereignly heal through this gift. Um, And so a devastating example of the flip side of someone who said, you know what, I'm not going to rely on God. I'm just going to go to medicine. That's actually in Scripture. is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. You can go read about a guy named Asa. And Asa said, no, I'm not going to God. I'm only going to physicians and it's not a good ending to that story, right? So that's the flip side of that. And then number three, people with this gift will more frequently see healing around them than the rest of us. And because of that, they're humble and they're meek and they never boast about what they have seen. And so right now, again, there's some people in this room who have experienced this gift and you don't want to talk about it because you see it going on and you want God to have all the glory. And I say to you, awesome. That's exactly how the gift was intended. Praise the Lord that he's using you for this ministry. And then number four, God does indeed always get the glory when healing gift is active and not mankind. So this is the gift of healing, but we got to keep going. Um, Let's go to the gift of serving and helps. We'll call this one the most practical of all the spiritual gifts listed. These people are the first people to arrive and the last people to leave. It's just in them to be around. Uh, They give more time and resources away than anybody realizes, and they're rarely up front or in the spotlight. And the reason being is because they're usually up vacuuming goldfish that your kids have destroyed in the carpet upstairs. They, they, you don't see them a lot of times because they're they're doing things. They have that hands and feet attitude. Uh, So the danger, a couple of dangers with this gift, if you have this gift. You'll get run over by people who will abuse you if if you have this gift a lot of times. Because you're so willing to help, everybody just thinks by nature you will always help. And so you pour out your lives for demanding unappreciative people sometimes. Um, And and then also another danger is you, you just don't know the boundary of when to walk away. I've already seen in this a couple of people nudging some people next to them. You just don't know when to walk away. And so this could be a danger with this gift. But the beauty of this gift in motion is this. The mundane has meaning to these people. The folding of handouts has meaning. Picking up trash has meaning to these people. Did you drive in and did you notice... Hey, you know you've arrived at a church when you have smoothed out gravel... Did you notice our smoothed out gravel this week? Heck yeah. And we don't have big ripples, right? I thought for a minute everybody in the church was going to have to have a four by four to come to church. Um, but somebody did that this week. I don't, I don't have a clue who did that this week. 
And, and that person will probably never step forward and all this kind of stuff. And they don't care for the applause. They find the joy in the mundane. And God uses that ultimately for His glory. So, so this is the, some of the beauty of this gift. And then another beauty of this gift is these type people go visit people that everybody else forgets about. You, everybody else forgot about a person, but they're just on your mind. You, you have to go help and serve them. Uh, these type people don't serve out of obligation or invitation. They just serve because they're compelled with serve. So if you're wrestling right now going, I wonder if I have the gift of serving or help. Well, my question would be to you, do you serve and help when nobody asks you to serve and help? Because if somebody asks you and says, we need this to be done, and you go, okay, I'll do it, it's probably not the gift of serving. It's probably just you being cordial, right? So this is how this gift, these people can't help but not serve. And y'all know some of these people I'm talking about. You can always count on these, perp- these people, and they're drawn to compassion um, because that positions themselves to, to share uh, the gospel through these acts of service. And so when they see something on a billboard that says, we need servers, these type of people lean forward when the rest of us kind of put our head down and drive like this right here. <laughs> right? These, this is what this gift looks like through these people. Uh, they're marked by humility, not anger, not grumbling. The person who says this, well, if no one else will do it, then I'll do it. You probably don't have the gift of serving. You're just being nice, right? Um, And it's not an understatement to say this, that the church itself would not exist without people that have this gift. And that's not exaggerated speech. Now let's go to distinguishing of spirits. This one here, probably a lot of people have never even heard and you're looking at it going, that sounds very odd, to which I would say, it is. This is probably the oddest of all the spiritual gifts found in the gifts list, and it's a gift that nobody in this room would choose if you had to choose a gift. It's an ongoing war, and these people feel the tension of the spirit of light and the spirit of darkness and the war that's going on all around. As a matter of fact, if you have this gift, you probably in this very moment are sensing things that other people are not sensing. This is this distinguishing of spirits. And so it's grace that God blinds the majority of our eyes to what's going on really all around us in the spiritual realm. That's grace. But the reality is that God does open some people's eyes to see that. And it's like living in a horror show for these individuals. And so again, I'm speaking to some of you and you're going, yes, (laughs) I've always wondered what that was. Um, and it could be very much be this, this, this gift. And so the gift is that God opens some people's some t- eyes in various times to see the reality of what's going on. And, and so definition would be the special ability to recognize the influence of the Holy Spirit or of demonic activity in a person's life. Now, if you're going, that sounds crazy. Is it really in Scripture? Yeah, it's all over the place. Here's some examples. Luke chapter 13, there was said to be a disabling spirit. In Acts chapter 16, there was said to be a spirit of divination. In Mark chapter 9, there was a deaf and mute spirit that was recognized. And then 1 John chapter 4, there was a spirit of error. So again, these people feel like you're stuck in a horror film because you live this out every single day. The danger is these people become skeptical of themselves. 
In the 24 years of ministry I've been in, I'm telling you, I've had this conversation quite a few times, and here's how it usually starts out. And I'll try to look up at the sky because I've had this conversation with people in this room. Um, This conversation usually starts out this way. Hey, Troy, I think I need to go to North Harbor. I think I'm going crazy. And then we begin to kind of flesh out what's going on, and it very well could be this. Um, So the danger is they become skeptical of themselves. The flip side is they can also become rock flippers when they start to understand what's going on with this gift, and they start flipping every rock to see if there's a demon behind it. And they start flipping every rock to see if the Holy Spirit's behind it. Everything becomes super spiritual to them. Now, here's the danger in that. If you go around flipping rocks in Carroll's Creek, at some point, you're going to flip over and find yourself a copperhead, right? And so these people with this gift, if you go chasing it, there's a good chance you're going to find it. And in Scripture, we're never called to chase it, right? We're only called to respond if God reveals something to you. And then this person can also, in this latter stages, this gift can develop an authority complex to where everything becomes hyper-spiritual, Y'all met people like that? Everything is hyper-spiritual, when sometimes it could just be coincidence, right? So, so this, people live with this balance. Now, the frustration is these people rarely um, are believed until it's too late. God reveals something, you say it, they don't believe you, it comes to pass later, and then the person comes back and goes, I really wish I would have believed you. And then that person goes, I wish you would have too. I, But then again, it's that tension. It's a weird tension they feel. Uh, They're confused as to why God allows them to see these type things. God, why are you showing me this? I have no idea what to do with this. And then these people also cannot turn this gift off, which is one of these frustrations. They feel like they're stuck in replay every single day. Now, the beauty of this gift... The beauty of this gift is there are some who do see deeper realities and God's doing something through that. A great example of that is 2 Kings chapter 6 when Elisha and Gehazi, y'all remember this? Uh, They go to war and the armies are all around and uh, Gehazi, the servant, is freaked out because he's going, we cannot win this battle. Look at what's going on. And Elisha's just sitting there cool as a cucumber. He's chilling, right? And, and, And Gehazi says... What are you doing? Why are you not upset about this? And then he prays and he says, Lord, open his eyes for just a second. And the Lord does. And in that moment, Gehazi sees all that's going on around with all of the armies of the Lord. And that is the famous passage that says this, And I saw that those who were for us were far more than those who were against us. God just opened his eyes into this spiritual realm. And so all that to say, Marvel just might be onto something with all these movies. These people, the beauty is they walk in calmness when this gift matures. Why? Because nothing shakes them. You come up to them and go, you're not going to believe what happened. And they sit there and go, okay, it doesn't shake them. And you're shocked that it doesn't shake them. Well, the reason it doesn't shake them is because if you lived in the mind and world that they lived in, you realize that they're not shaken by anything anymore. But that takes time and a process. They are of massive benefit to the church as a whole, but particularly as individuals personally. Sam Storms, I love this quote. We'll end this section with this. I can't think of another spiritual gift that's so desperately needed in the life of the church today. 
Consider the many instances when it would prove immensely helpful to know whether or not a sin or an addiction or the breakdown in a marriage or display of what appears to be mental illness is the work of sinful choices or biological factors or emotional wounds from an abusive past or perhaps the influence of a demonic spirit or somehow or perhaps even some combination of them all. Now that we're all confused by that gift, let's move on to another one. Uh, the gift of giving is another gift. And so you went, Troy, let's go back to the odd one because I don't want to talk about this one. And we're not skipping any of them, suckers. So here we go. The gift of giving, I think I would call the most taboo to talk about. We won't talk about money, right? With a spiritual gift, we, we can't avoid it. Um, all believers are indeed to give unto the Lord and then he lets us borrow the other 90%. But there are some who are compelled, even in this room, to just give your life away beyond the token 10% or whatever. Like, you find genuine joy in giving. It doesn't matter if it's to the church or whatever. That's not the point. You just, like, you just, you have to give your life away. Um, And so the actual words used in Romans 12 is metadidami, which means this, the gift of imparting. So giving this life away. Now, the danger of this. The danger, number one, is these people can be perceived as penny pinchers because they're keeping everything real close to themselves in order to be able to give to a need that the Lord uh, calls them to give to, right? Uh, Number two, they can live with this internal pressure to give away to every need that abounds, that is known. And so, again, to use the illustration... When the other people are hiding, when people start talking about things like this, these people kind of start leaning in. It's, it's something that compels them, right? And number three, they evaluate their own spiritual maturity by their current level of giving, which can also be a danger. In other words, if I'm not giving my life away, then I must not be growing in the Lord. And so that can be a danger for these people. But here's some beauties of these people. They're genuinely grateful when they hear a need brought up. And so if you've always thought you're the oddball, why am I genuinely excited about this opportunity? It's the Spirit of the Lord in you flying this gift. They're genuinely joyful to be able to meet the needs of people. They enjoy preventing waste um, to be able to share with others. Uh, Oddly enough, if you love Dave Ramsey in this room, you might just have this spiritual gift. Um, they're likely to be behind the scenes. Uh, They are either overtly blessed or just wise stewards. They rarely have debt. They never spend more than they make. And they understand that gospel community and intertwined wealth indeed go together. And some of you are like, what on earth is he even talking about? And then some of you are like, heck yeah, I'm surprised he even said it out loud, right? And so this is a nature of these type people. So when is it a spiritual gift or just general, uh, genuine gesture? Here's what I would say. When the person is giving with gospel intent, that's when it is a spiritual gift. When they're just giving so that everybody will put their name on a plaque, human gift. Right? So this is where this comes from. Uh, so they see the needs around them, and then the gift is truly countercultural in that way. Let's keep going. The gift of administration. 
And everybody's like, heck yeah, we're not talking about giving anymore. Um, the gift of administration. <clears throat> this is the most, I would call the most self-driven spiritual gift. It's, it's trendy to debate whether the church is an organism or an organization. Is it free-flowing or is it business-like? This gift gives us a clue that it could be or that it is indeed both. The word used for this gift is kubernesis, which literally means the gift of steering. You don't steer an organism. If it's free-flowing, it's just free-flowing. But this gift is used to steer something. There is an organizational, institutional aspect of church body at large, okay? So this is what this gift is. And so God uses some to keep the uh, the ball rolling down the court throughout the uh, life of any given church. Not everyone who accomplishes a task has the gift of administration. Let's be clear about that. Serving and helps and administration fit together but are not the same at all. Um, For instance, some have the gift to pull off what the gift of administration has put forth. And that's how these two fit together. Now, here's the danger in this gift. Let's go with that first. They can judge their own spiritual maturity by how many tasks they've taken hold of recently. They can overcommit their time and neglect their family. And people can feel used by you if you have this gift. How does this play out? Because as the gift of administration, you are a master delegator. It just is... If you want to know, do you have the gift of administration? Are you good at delegating? Or are you a one-man army? If you're a one-man army, gift of helps, not gift of administration. If you're a delegator who rarely does anything, but somehow gets everybody else to pull it off for you, probably the gift of administration. And so the way that this functions is they get a team together to pull off event A or whatever, mission project Z, whatever, And then all of a sudden they see the next thing, so they go to the next thing. And these people go, but I thought we were buddies. (laughs) I thought we were going to sit tea and hang out for life. And so they feel used because this person has moved on to this thing. Does that make sense? And so this is just the, the wiring, and so they feel that danger within them. Now, let's look at the beauties of this gift. Holy moly. Uh, Number one, they are marked by the gift of delegation. They lead people towards goals and tasks. Number two, they know their own strengths and weaknesses and will readily admit them. Right? This is where I want to look at the most of us and go, because we think we can do anything. Right? This is where you call the plumber. Because you ain't got that gift. You call the plumber, but then the majority, no, I, got, I can do it. No, you can't, right? Uh, so these people recognize this. They know their strengths and weaknesses. Number three, it's not about getting the job done, but about getting people involved. That's who has this gift. They can see the big picture so the minutia doesn't stress them out. They handle pressure well so hiccups when things go crazy doesn't derail them. I'll flat fall to pieces, when something comes unglued. I don't know, like you drop 6,000 eggs from a hot air balloon and people say you're going to sue, right? At that moment, I'll curdle up on the ground. And then somebody like a Dolan Davis will walk up and go, it's going to be okay, brother. It's going to be all right. We'll take it. It's it's okay. It's just, it's a difference there, right? Um, And 
Number six, they can recognize when someone hinders a goal and they handle that issue in a way that both honors the church and honors Christ more importantly. So when is it a spiritual gift? It's not a spiritual gift if you expect applause after you have pulled it off. It's a spiritual gift when you go hide in a corner, won't nobody know, and want God to get all of the glory. That's when it's a spiritual gift. With that said, we made it to the last one. We did it. We did it. I saved the best for last. I shouldn't have said that because they're all spiritual gifts and they're all equal. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan, for not punching me in the face. Okay. The gift of encouragement. Maybe we said this way. It is definitely the most enjoyable gift of the gifts. These are people who walk alongside other people. And the word is actually used of this spiritual gift. It's called paraclesis or... or This is the word where we get the Holy Spirit from. He's called the paraclete, the one who walks alongside. Exact same word used for the spiritual gift. It's a person who walks alongside other people. Uh, So these people don't necessarily come alongside people to make them feel good, but to make them believe again. You ever been at the point where you're just ready to quit? Whatever that quit was. And so you had a conversation at Edgar's Bakery where all good gospel conversations occur as you're eating a brownie, as you should. And you're ready to quit. And in this conversation, somebody just says something to you, another believer, and you go, I'm going to keep going. It just ignites you. And you just, you just keep going. You don't know why. It, wasn't so, it just happened. That's because that gift functioned. And here's the... The chances are they didn't even know what they were saying in the moment. Just That's why it's called a spiritual gift. Um, it's, gosh almighty. Okay. I, I, I made fun of him just a second ago. Jonathan Thorne has this gift. Squarely has this gift. You cannot leave a conversation with this dude and not feel encouraged. Even in hard truths. It just, anyway, okay, so with that said, uh, these people have a knack for making you think you can indeed take the next step towards a goal. Now, let's look at some of the dangers. The dangers are they judge their spirituality based on how many people currently like them. Danger is they can indeed avoid hard truth counsel because they want to jump to what just feels good in the moment. So rather than saying what you need to hear, they'll say what you want to hear because it keeps it encouraging. Uh, they can, people can become projects to these people instead of just people. They have to fix everybody if they're not careful. They can be manipulated by others because their heart blinds their head. I know I should say this, but my heart wants me to say that, so I will go here. Um, they can quote scripture out of context to fit the need of a moment. I'm going to try my best to not let my gift come in to fight with this right now. So we'll just say it this way. It's, it's, it's the whole Jeremiah 29, 11 thing. Somebody's distraught. God has a hope and a future for you. Because that's what they want them to hear if they're not careful. When the verse right before it says that the Babylonian, the Babylonian captivity will take 70 years. right? And nobody walks up and says, hey, I know you're going through a hard time. The Lord wants to lead you into exile for 70 years. Right? So if we're going to use 29.11, we've got to also use verse 10. So, okay, now my gift's starting to fight with this gift. But they'll use this gift, they'll, they'll speak Scripture out of context. The Lord has a plan for you, right? Or you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's, just be careful. That's great contextually. If you are shipwrecked, beaten, and left for dead, 
and want to continue as a missionary, then that verse makes sense. All right, I really am. I got it. John, I need to stop right now, don't I? Okay, here we go. Um, be careful about that. That is a danger. Um, however, uh, they can indeed feel shallow and be shallow because they want to feel others' uh, well-being for them. Now, the beauty, the beauty of the gift. The beauty is these people are just super relatable. Super relatable. You ever been around somebody and you're like, they just get me. <laughs> they just understand me. Could be this gift. They're always available. You text them and they'll text you right back. Now that knocks out about 75% of us in this room. <laughs> they'll call you and they'll probably answer the phone. Um, they, they're just available. They're, they're always see, because this gift compels them to be. They are great counselors, um, even if not academic-minded. They have a very high view of God's sovereignty and push you to rest in the fact that God is sovereign. They have a knack for sharing timely biblical counsel. So everything I said negative just a minute ago, the strange thing about the people with this gift is they'll open up their Bible and have a study time and walk out of their house, and the Lord will use the verses they read that morning about 15 times during the day to encourage somebody. It's just, it's just how God works through these people. Um, so with that said, they really are pillars of the church and necessary for kingdom and advancement. Uh, they are less interested in people liking them when it's functioning well, but super concerned with people continuing as faithful believers and fighting for Christ-likeness and not giving up. That's how this gift fleshes itself out in the gospel sense. I told you it was going to be a lot. Um, I had to take a hit off of a chloroseptic, Brandy's chloroseptic bottle in the first service. I'm going to take a swig of it afterwards. Um, So with that said, I am quite shocked that we made it through all six, to be just dead honest with you. Uh, But my point is this. God made you to be valuable. He made you to do something that no one else can do. To reach someone that nobody else can reach. And so as we went through these gifts, maybe we haven't hit your gift yet, but maybe you just see that God really does distribute the gifts as He wills to grow the kingdom through many, many means. So as the band comes up, if you have a gift, and we've already hit your gift... Hey, don't let it terminate on your own applause. Focus its intent on gospel ministry. How can I use my ability to make people think about Jesus and how awesome Jesus is? That's when the gifts are flying best. So, Troy, what if I have a gift that I want to fly, but I don't know how to fly it? Well, a couple of things. Number one, come to the 101 class. Number two... Fill out the handout today going, here's what I think my gift is. How can I use it? And if that fails, please let me introduce you to Tyler LaFoy and Beth Eubanks. And I can assure you that you will have a place to use said gift immediately. Okay? Uh, So do these things. Troy, but yeah, I just want to help the youth or I just want to help with the kids or I want to maybe cut the grass or do evangelism or foreign missions or music or a sport or a prayer initiative or visitation or compassionate initiative or people for dinner. I want to have people. Good. Do it. Fly your gift. 
Because the only thing that is never listed as a spiritual gift is complaining and moaning about how things should be. How you would do them. And how the church is failing to do them. If God's putting those things on your heart, it's probably because you're supposed to be the one who does it. Get up off your rear and do something for the kingdom. Let's pray together. What a text, Lord. Well, lots of texts, really. My prayer, God, is, is even, even now that you help us to see that our lives were not meant to be lived in their fullness at, in our little square footage of our property or apartment complex or whatever. That through the church you have given the greatest means of evangelism, that being people, to share the good news of Jesus through a million different ways. So God, get us out of neutral in whatever aspect of life it is and push us to be about peopling so that we can just talk about how awesome Jesus is through sports and through healing and through medicine and through prayer and through building just all kind of different things. Thank you that you would love us enough not just to save us and leave us sitting idly by, but you would love us enough to save us and make us usable for kingdom purposes. Jesus, it's in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.